Well, good morning. Welcome to Trinity. It's a delight to be able to gather together, see your faces, hear your voices, and to make much of the grace of God and His mercy to us. Though we may feel that our sins are indeed many, His mercy is greater still. That's good news. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be continuing on and looking at three very important social relationships in which the gospel applies and the manner in which we go about living out those social relationships. Last week, we considered husbands and wives and and the relationship of a marriage. Uh, Today, we're going to be considering children and parents and the relationship of a home. And we want to see our homes grow at reflecting the grace and mercy of God that we've received and the manner in which we are children and parents uh, together in our homes. And so let's, uh, let's read these words. We're actually going to read verse 21 of chapter 5 because as we looked at last week, it's continue, like the grammar structure of all of this fits and flows from what Paul was saying in chapter 5. We don't want to lose our bearings on that. So chapter 5, verse 21 into chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider this passage together today, we need your grace, we need your spirit at work, be with us as we come to your word, the preaching of it, the hearing and the receiving and the believing of it to your glory and our good, we pray in Christ's name, amen. There's a lot of pressure being a parent. Life seems so overwhelming with so many obstacles and so many dangers all around. Or maybe you're a parent and you feel like, my sins are many. Oh, please, may mercy be more. Social media feeds into our hearts. Uh, Perfectly filtered families that have everything put together always. And we so often feel like failures. The overwhelmed parent or the one who can't keep up with the Joneses on Instagram uh, often feel paralyzed in what to do and how to do it. Maybe you feel this way. Or have felt this way before. In just a few verses, we can hopefully disarm this paralysis and take on the delight of what God has gifted us with in our families. That there is indeed still yet good news for our homes today. We want to continue thinking about it in light of Paul's his outworking of the gospel in the way that we live In Ephesians, we spent those first three chapters looking at gospel doctrine, the things that we believe about who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus, how it applies then to our lives and shapes our lives and and fuels our lives and informs our lives and transforms our lives. We are reading about and looking at and considering in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. So we want to see this in light of where Paul has taken us already in this application of the gospel to how we live, to the culture of our lives, our church, our families, our homes, our marriages, etc. So we want to look carefully with how, how we walk in our homes. And as we do that, my hope is that we see that the gospel, for us who believe and trust in Jesus, the gospel enables us to 
to be part of this gospel home. It enables us in two ways. First, to children. It enables us to be children who live well. We'll explore that here in a moment. So kids here, you're in homes in which your parents are trusting Jesus and holding that out to you. Uh, This passage will give us direction and guidance on how you children can live well. And then secondly, the gospel enables us to be parents who love well. Parents who love well. That's kind of our frame of thinking as we look at this together. I know that not everyone in here is either a, well, everyone in here is a child in some sense. Um, you have parents some, somewhere if, in, at some point in your life. Um, but not all of us are parents. Hopefully we will see how the application of the gospel to this social relationship has even a wider umbrella in the way that we love and live in this world. So let's consider these things together. First, let's talk about children who live well. I want to frame it by answering just sort of a few questions. What, how, and why? What, how, and why? So first, what? What are children to do? Well, they are to obey and honor. That's the what. The how is in the Lord, and the, and the why is that you would find that it will go well. So let's walk through that together. First, the what? Obey and honor. Children, you are given two main instructions. And notice that the writer of this letter, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is directly communicating to the children who would be gathered at the churches in the region of Ephesus. So he's talking directly to children. So I'm going to follow the Apostle Paul's posture. So I'm speaking directly to children here also. So wherever your age is, in light of that, I'm speaking to you. And what he says is two main instructions, to obey and to honor. The first one, to obey, means to hear under, to be under someone and have a posture or you will listen and hear what they are saying. It means, in a way, it means to be teachable, that you would be someone who can be taught. It means that you would be easy to correct so that when you get something wrong or do something bad that your parents would come alongside you and speak to you in that moment and you would be easy to correct. And it means eager to do. That you'd be eager to do what your parents are calling you to do. So children, how would you grade yourselves in that? How eager are you to do? How easy are you to correct? How teachable is your heart? This, again, is instruction for this obeying instruction is typically for children who are at home under their parents' responsibility. To honor, however, goes beyond that dynamic, and and it, it carries with it a wider reach. To honor means to show worth, to show respect. It applies to all of life, no matter how old you are. Certainly, ultimate honor goes to God, but one way you, as a child of your parent, can show honor to God is by showing honor to your parents. So I would encourage you at all ages and stages of your life, what are ways that you can honor your parents? Look for those ways and then do it. Show respect in the way that you care for them as they age. 
The way that you reach out to them and share a little bit of your life with them. You show them honor. As you hear them and listen to them and follow them, you show them honor. To parents in the room, make it easy for your children to obey and honor. Make it easy for that. Very convicting kind of question is what kind of relationship will you foster by crushing your children under burdens they can't keep with parents they can't respect it's a beautiful picture but it also can be a difficult picture a relationship in the home but ultimately to the children the instruction is quite clear obey and honor Well, how can you do that? How do you go about that? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer to that question. It is in the Lord. In the Lord. Remember, it is about Jesus. Paul is writing to or speaking to Christian parents and their children who would be with them as they gathered for church. He's talking to these Christian parents and their children. Where the gospel of grace of Jesus is the main thing. And so we want to encourage each other that Jesus is worth it and has grace for us. And we want to do that in our homes. And so for children, how can you go about honoring and obeying your parents? By seeing that Jesus is ultimately worth it. So put it this way. God supplies what he demands. God supplies in the Lord... What he demands, obey and honor. So God has a calling for your life. Obey and honor your parents. And he supplies the means for you to do that for his glory and for the good of your homes in the Lord. So till the children in here, if you desire to obey and honor your parents, this is good. If you want to grow at obeying and honoring your parents, this also is good. Your ultimate hope for obeying and honoring your parents is found in a loving relationship with Jesus. Now you understand that God loves you so much and God's ways for your life is always best and that God gives you what you need to live how he wants you to live In Jesus. And God gives you forgiveness for when you don't. All of that is found in Jesus. And so, your best way to go about obeying and honoring your parents is through knowing and loving and following Jesus, who lived the life for you, who died. His a death in your place who rose again so that you would have new life. That Jesus, knowing him through faith, loving him, you will find that God supplies what you need. So our call to the children in these homes is to obey and honor the parents. The means of that is found in the Lord. The why is that it will go well for you. 
It will go well for you. It's about the kind of life, not necessarily the amount of life, if you will, how many days of life you live. Paul quotes the fifth commandment, which is from the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother, and he quotes it. And in so doing, Paul's showing how the Ten Commandments are God's direction for the good life. As people who trust Jesus for salvation, we're not trusting our ability to keep the Ten Commandments. We still find that the Ten Commandments to be God's guidance for our good. The Ten Commandments were part of that special relationship God was making with his people in the Old Testament. This is how you're to live and to follow God's ways, which are always best. And will also be for our best. And so to reject God's way is to choose something worse. So Paul's showing that the Ten Commandments are God's direction for a good life. And secondly, by using the Fifth Commandment, he helps us understand them all. To submit to God's way and honoring our parents is really for our good. Just like submitting to God's way and the whole of the Ten Commandments is for our good. And it also helps our hearts see that God's ultimate way is displayed in the gospel. And to submit to the gospel through faith in Jesus is for our ultimate good. And so he's really concerned about them knowing that like, this is the pathway to the good life. But I think every kid in here, no matter how old they are, can tell us this. There are consequences for when you obey and honor And there are consequences for when you don't obey and honor. And the consequences for when you do obey and honor are way better. Isn't that right? Isn't it not as fun when you don't obey and honor? Well, in the fifth commandment of the Old Testament, we see that if we're willing to trust and submit to God's ways, we'll find that overall it will go well. Not perfect, not easy, but enjoying Going the way that God would have for us, knowing that it is the ultimate good. So children to kids, teenagers, and quality of life, yeah, that's important. Your quality of life in your home will be significantly impacted at how you go about obeying and honoring your parents. Now parents, there's there's a lot of instruction for us here too. Parents, we need to be parents who love well. We want to be parents who love well. And so I'm going to apply the same three questions. What, how, and why? So what? What is it that we are to do as parents? Well, we are to nourish our homes. Again, Paul is writing to believing parents who are gathered there in these churches. And he says to them to nourish their homes. And there's two things that he draws out. First, he says, don't provoke resentment. Don't be parents and don't parent in a way that provokes resentment in your kids, in your families, in your homes. The nature of provoking that Paul is using here is to act in such a way that the fruit of such actions is animosity, anger, and resentment. To not live out your life in that way. And again, Paul, like last week, is cutting upstream against the culture around them. He's directed this specifically to fathers, but it applies to all. It's to parents also. But in so doing, he's going upstream against the culture. 
And he's calling parents to not be so hard and harsh in their homes. That the home of those redeemed in Christ is not to be a place where resentment is fostered. And cutting upstream and, and directly, directly speaking to fathers, and while understanding it applies to both parents, it does seem very clear that he's saying to fathers, don't be so hard on your kids. Because fathers can be hard on their children. Parents can be hard on their children. Two particular ways that would have been very clear in Paul's day and, and are very clear in ours is Fathers and parents can be hard on their children by not making clear that you love your children. By not making clear that you love your children. Your family shouldn't be confused or unclear about your love for them. And then secondly, by not seeking to build up, only tearing down with unhealthy expectations. Parents are called to love well, to nourish their home not to provoke resentment in their kids. So there's a don't. Don't provoke. And that don't provoke is followed up with a, a do. And the do is to bring up or nourish the home. Nourish with the gospel. The idea of bringing up your children is rooted in the word for nourish. To nourish. That is, to help them taste and see that the Lord is good. To help your home, to help your family taste and see that the Lord is good. So parents in here, clinging to Christ, wanting to live, following after him, wanting to foster the kind of home that is nourished, how you love and how you lead your family will impact how your family views God. So nourish your family to see, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Three things I would encourage you to do. Delight in God yourself. Now the most important tool in your parenting is that your heart would delight in God. That you would love Jesus and that would be evident. In your home are little truth seekers. They, they know truth when they see it. They know what's true and what isn't true. Your kids will know if it's true in your heart and in your life. And the ultimate delight of your heart would be the Lord. Would be Jesus. Secondly, share your delight with your kids. You can't make them delight in Jesus, but you can share your delight in Jesus. Share your delight with your kids. And then, thirdly, help them understand why you believe God is worth delighting in. Delight in Jesus. Share your delight in Jesus. And then show why you believe Jesus is worth delighting in. Now, the apostle goes on and he gives more ideas of what it looks like to nourish your home. And he says, first, go about training to discipline and instruct one of the ways that parents are to nourish the home is to train the home with the truths of the gospel. It's to understand that training is to lead to transformation. 
Think of it as gospel doctrine and gospel culture in the home as it is in the church. We've structured our Ephesian series around that idea of gospel doctrine, the things that we believe in gospel culture, how that shapes the way we live. And well, we want that for our church. And that's what Paul's been doing in this letter. But we also want that for our lives and we want that in our homes. And so the apostle says discipline. To discipline. The word there actually means to teach or to educate or to instruct. It would be used in a formal way of that of a school in which truths are taught and comprehended. But in a family sense or a familial sense, it's that of parents teaching their kids the truths of who God is, what God does, who we are, and how we are to live. In this discipline, this teaching, educating, instructing, parents are taking on the responsibility to say and to show and to explain that God is big. I mean, there's a theological word around that, transcendence. But really, the idea is that you're living out your life to say that God is big. He is bigger than the things that we face. And that we can face anything in life because God is bigger. That we nourish our homes with that truth. Yes, the challenges of life are are overwhelming at times and hard at times. But God is bigger. God is bigger. So the apostle is calling us to, to instruct and to show that God is indeed big. Secondly, he says instruction. And that word there is actually conveying a way of thinking. That is a way of looking at life and then living it out. So he's instructing parents to help the home come to understand life how to view life, how to look at life and the culture and the world around, and then how to live out your life in light of all of that, in light that God is big and that the world around is what it is. How can we then go about navigating through that world? Helping your kids to see how the gospel applies to how we live. Showing how all of this matters on the way, if you will. It's bringing in the idea that we see in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Deuteronomy 6 says this, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. That you're helping your, your homes, your children, see that not only is God big, but that God is also near. That God is relevant. That God is real. And so, the big theological word for big is transcendence. And the big theological word for near and real and relevant is eminence. And so, you're helping your homes see that God is big and God is near. You can face anything in life because God is bigger than that which you face. And you can face anything in life because God is with you in whatever you face. That kind of culture in our hearts and in our churches and in our homes. That's the instruction. It's, and Paul's cutting upstream 
in the world in which these men and women, these parents were being rescued out of. And all of that muscle memory that they learned and all that they grew up in and lived until that day they were rescued. Paul is working against that. And he wants them to parent as a, out of a posture, out of a place, out of a condition of their heart that says, God is big, God is near, and I want to show this in my home. We can face anything together because of that. That's the what. So how? Well, very similarly for the children, it's in the Lord. The how is of the Lord. Of the Lord. To show it's ultimately all about Jesus. The nourishing your home is given an objective focus here. But bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. The content and the character of your home is to be making much of the content and the character of Jesus. The content and character of Jesus. We're not going to do that perfectly. We're going to only parent imperfectly. But the content and the character of our imperfect parenting is still to be pointing Christward. We feel a lot of that pressure. We feel a lot of failure as parents. We, we feel a lot of angst as parents. And we want our kids to see and know and understand and come to trust that Jesus really is worth it. But as warnings, I want to say, you can't angst your kids to Jesus. Jesus has to be a joy and a delight in you first. And you can't law your kids to Jesus. The first three chapters of Ephesians are great correctives for us. But you can love Jesus. And you can love your kids. And you can help them see the love of Jesus through your love of them. That it would be the content and the character of your love. And that of the Lord that ends verse 4 of Ephesians 6. It's still part of that idea that it's by means of the Spirit that we see in Ephesians 5. And we would be walking filled with the Spirit. Again, that's the grammatical structure of this letter. That, that this is part of what it looks like to be walking filled with the Spirit. That we are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that, that heart that is submitting out of reverence for Christ is willing to do that in our marriages and willing to do that in our homes. That we would parent out of that walking filled with the Spirit. That the Spirit would be the means by which the content and character of Christ would become more evident in our hearts and in our lives and in our marriages and in our families. A good place to look at the content and character of Christ is actually to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and verse 23 tell us this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the work of the Spirit in our hearts. But what is that really ultimately describing? Well, that's describing the character of Christ. Jesus is those things perfectly, perfectly for us, in us, and through us. Jesus is at work by the Spirit to bring the character of Christ to bear in our lives. 
Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is patience. Jesus is kindness. Jesus is goodness. Jesus is faithfulness. Jesus is gentleness. Jesus is self-control. We want to walk by the Spirit, by means of the Spirit, then we want to be pursuing these things. This is convicting. And so to nourish our homes, to nourish our homes toward Jesus comes with a reliance on and a pursuit of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If you're a parenting manual, and I say this to myself, if your parenting manual is the fruit of the Spirit, that's a pretty good manual. That's our how. Well, why? Well, besides bringing glory to God, the why is also connected to the same why that we had for our kids, that it would go well for them. Well, why do we do it? So that it will enable them to live well. Be intentional to create this environment in your home. It's for the good of your home. Treasuring Jesus, loving your kids, pursuing the fruit of the Spirit, helping your kids see that God is big and God is near and this is good. While you go through life, that will have the greatest impact on your kids. Doesn't guarantee that your kids will be Christians. Doesn't guarantee that they'll be the best behaved. Does mean you are seeking to create a home where they can learn what it looks like when it goes well with them and following God's ways and delighting in God's grace. And be a part of a church that has that same environment, has that same aim, has that same goal, has that same hope for your home. A church that wants to come alongside you and walk with you and walk with your kids. That's the kind of place that will be life-giving to these kinds of things. I'm grateful for our children's ministry and our student ministry. Carla and Sean have hearts that want to come alongside parents and into the lives of our kids and our teenagers so that they know and experience and see the love of God through Christ in these lives. And we encourage you and at times help you and equip you. But what a treasure that is to have that in our church. We can lean into this together. So let's labor together in helping our homes delight in Jesus and show him off how awesome and great and glorious and gracious he really is. Now, I also know that not everybody here is experiencing that kind of aim in their homes or has had that experience in their lives. I certainly stand before you as one who did not grow up in that kind of environment and have certainly had to work hard through uh, coming to grips with having those responsibilities myself. And there are certainly a lot of hurt and brokenness that sometimes comes from those that are closest to us. I understand the deep level of complication that that brings. Paul's instructions here are certainly broad and, and, and general in the sense of like, this is what we are to aim for in our homes. And for those situations that go far beyond that, general and broad picture, I do want to encourage you. There is grace. And God draws near. And God is tenderhearted to those who have been hurt. And if you've not had moments or seasons in your life in which you've been able to care for some of those things, I'd greatly encourage you 
to take one very bold step to let me or to let somebody know how we can help. Fortunately for us, the things that we experience in this life do not go beyond the scope and reach of the grace and mercy of our God. That nothing is too complicated, too deep, too impactful for our God to not care for. And positively, this good that is presented to us here in Ephesians, this picture in which a home is being nourished toward Jesus, that can happen. It's not too late. You're not too off track. That, that can happen. Surely, slowly, suddenly, it can happen. I would encourage you to see that it starts first with your hearts delighting in Jesus and then working out from there. So let us all the more labor together and helping our homes delight in Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We certainly pray that it would find a home in our hearts, that it would shape us and transform us and strengthen us to live out this life that you've rescued us to. Thank you, God, for overtaking uh, uh, our sin and, and its consequences in our lives through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for working in us, in our lives, in the moments in which you burst into our hearts and brought life where there was only death, where you rescued us from our sin and shame. Thank you for the many times and ways in which you have been at work in us, forgiving us and changing us and transforming us and equipping us and encouraging us to live our lives following after you. Thank you that your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness will be new for us tomorrow morning. That even in our failures as children and failures as parents, that your grace, your mercy will be vast and full and enough for us the next morning. God, we thank you that you do not bail on us when we struggle in this life that you draw near all the more. And I pray that you would help us to see that and know that and experience that in our homes, whether we're children or whether we're parents. God, would you help, we pray in Christ's name and to his glory we ask. Amen.